You are listening to Two Jerks, One Vote, with Jerkatorium reviewing the Spin Tunes 18 Round 4 songs. We've got a very special guest reviewer, Abigail, also known as Cybronica. You never thought you'd get to write a song with a silly prompt, like using just two chords with a romp, and you have a whole week just to finish the song, but you're really feeling invigorated. You never thought you'd get to write a song about the color gray or with a tempo shift and you have a whole week this is gonna be great even if you get eliminated welcome to spin tunes this is so fun to do you'll flourish those skills and be proud of yourself and when you prevail it's so good for your health welcome to spin tunes this is so fun to do so you're gonna do this yeah you're gonna All right, welcome everybody to Spin Tunes 18 Round 4. Uh, we're reviewing this time around the the one-two punch, is that it? That's right. The one-two punch round where all of the songs had to be two chords. And I believe that there was some discussion of it uh, in the boards, but I don't think it was only two or less. I think that the challenge was to do two chords, a two-chord song. And a lot of these people really... Turned it out. Yeah. yeah. There's some caveats, though. Uh, it's okay to use inversions. It's okay to use suspensions. It's okay to add extensions. So you can play like a D power chord and then play like a, you know, D add nine, add 11. And that yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Well, if, if it's if it's the power chord, if it's just the bass and the fifth, then the, uh, the ninth and the 11th are just muted temporarily. Temporarily, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they're being played by invisible instruments that you can't hear. Exactly, yeah. Let's do an introduction so that we can pull Cybronica into this conversation. Now, our guest today is a, re- a return guest. It's Cybronica. Uh, Cybronica, yay! <laughs> Cybronica is a classically trained opera singer who has performed in Europe and around the U.S. In addition to being an opera singer, she is a rock and roll badass. Uh, Cybronica has won two song fights with her band Mandibles, and she creates music for song fight and now also spin tunes under the name Cybronica. And she is a member of the band The Pleasantry with Grumpy Mike. Uh, you can find her music on the Song Fight Archive and the Nurein Archive and the Spin Tunes Bandcamp albums. You can also find her at abigailkempson.com where she has a lot of info and YouTube links and SoundCloud content. Uh, and she has a YouTube channel too, but some of those links are unlisted and you can only get to them through abigailkempson.com, which you should totally check out because it is a, a boss website. It, you are, and <laughs> you are the pro. Yeah, it's the real deal. But anyhow, uh, welcome. I really appreciate that shout out. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Cybronica at abigailkempson.com. Not Woo! at, but you know. Uh, check out that thank you no i appreciate that especially because that is a very outdated website at this point (laughs) um but i really appreciate that my cousin will be so delighted she designed it she for a period was designing websites professionally so i'll just tell her that it was complimented upon um (laughs) uh yeah well in addition to that website you can also find me on soundcloud a bunch of um of the what i consider to be the best mandible songs can be found um under soundcloud slash cybronica under my name well my pseudonym name (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, well, uh, wonderful, wonderful to have you. Do we want to talk about uh, the previous round or do we want to talk, talk about this round or what, what do we want to talk about first? I want to talk about is this real life? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. That was an excellent win. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. That Literally, that song happened because Glennie messaged Truth when the song challenge popped up. And he said, this is made for you guys. Mandibles has to put in a song. And that's the, that was the only reason why it went up. Otherwise, we wouldn't have seen it. So shout out to Glennie for being the <laughs> catalyst for it. Nice. Nice. I think Third Cat was second. And chumpy myself was third so yeah <laughs> defeated by you guys not for the last time i'm sure well to be fair it's it's hard to fight against the queen of the night <laughs> <laughs> very true and you can see a video of her doing queen of the night on youtube and you can get to that through abigailcomson.com too it's true <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful video. So what do we have any comments about the previous round? Um, or do we want to, and do we have any comments about judging or were there any, any neat controversies? I can think of one controversy, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure. We do should you have a rant, Ryan? Yeah, go for it. I don't do have, tell. I have a rant about this round, not about the previous round, but I mean, there was something that kind of just by the slightest margin avoided being an issue last round, which was by one vote, Stacking theory didn't make it into the top what would be six, right. I guess. Mm. You know, so I guess there's two issues here. Usually there's only four in the top in the last round. And this time there was five because it was a tie. Usually that tie is broken by the number of judges who voted, you know, who preferred it even by just one vote. Because there's an odd number of judges. Some had to, you know, unless they just got uh, the same number or something. Right, and that's why we have both Daniel Sittler and Chaz Rock yeah. in the finals. But again, usually it would have just been, I think, what, Daniel Sittler? That's right. Um, but uh, Micah also used the uh, judging criteria of who got theirs in earliest this time, which I think is mm. a new-ish sort of a thing. But So that was a tie, but Stacking Theory didn't get in. That was fine because if they had gotten in, it might have been a, de a thing that that they used some tracks from one of the judges to make their oh, song. Oh, yeah. Did the, did um, is that widely yeah. known? I don't think so, and I'm glad it's not an issue. But I mean, it was almost an issue. <laughs> almost <right>? an issue. Because <laughs> one of the judges ranked them first. Oh yeah, the <laughs> same one who provided some of the tracks. Yes, exactly. Okay. So. Would, would that be the same one who received a large amount of Marmite from Stephen Theory? <laughs> I think it may be. It might have been. Yes. Oh, I'm glad we didn't have that controversy. Yeah, yeah. Marmite gate. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I just think that Marmite's existence is its own Marmite gate. <laughs> uh, okay, well, oh, all right. So, uh, so narrowly avoided that. And I'm okay with having five people on the top. Uh, Me too. Even Me too. though it's a little bit of a departure from the norm. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, if now we... that it's been explained, it makes sense to me. Yeah. I don't even think it needed to really be explained. Micah is, you know, God, King, Emperor, and he can do whatever he wants. He's fair enough. I was just wondering about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It was. It was something that I was curious about. He's a little less draconian than previous uh, administrations. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they used to be really, really, real sticklers, and they used to actually, you know, disqualify people and things. Yeah, no one got disqualified at yeah. all this contest. So yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're weak. <laughs> <laughs> we it's the kinder, gentler spin tunes. 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, okay. So uh, then if we don't have any more comments about the previous round, or do we? We don't. Okay. Do you want to launch into your rant? I, I do have a, a little rant. All right. And I just want to mention that I was maybe the only judge who was against this two-chord limitation as a challenge. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was an excessive limitation that would detract. Uh, I thought that hobbling bands in this way is the opposite of what makes a good challenge or a good prompt. But I'm happy to see that the bands flourished within the constraint, and I very much enjoyed most of these songs, almost all of these songs. I'm not sure that I was wrong, though, to think that this was a bad challenge. Uh, I mean, we might have gotten even better songs with a less restrictive challenge, but I guess bands can and should find such prompts at songfight.org or Nerein or Spintoons19 and etc. I had actually thought it might be neat to have a challenge be, when they were talking about two chords, uh, I sort of countered, well, how about two or 22? <laughs> Meaning it had to be two chords or 22 chords and nothing else. But I like that. But I think that might have been only potentially good at an earlier round because like what if everybody <laughs> did two chords except for one band? Right, right. Did, and know. I remember saying, Ryan, that's going to be hard to judge. Like I'm not going to count 22 <laughs> chords. And you were like, we don't have to judge this round, dude. It's not our problem. Exactly. Like, that, is a, that is a terrible reason to do that. But that's the reason that Micah had for doing two chords. Because like we were saying, I was saying like we were going to get flooded with all these uh, people saying like, well, what, what counts as a chord? And what if I do this and stuff like that? And he was like, well, it doesn't matter because we're not going to be judging this round. Yeah, we're just kicking, so kicking that the down people. the road for yeah. someone else to figure yeah. out. Exactly. So I just threw it back in his face saying like, okay, well. <laughs> well, and I will say that there is some precedent for there being only two chords in a song. In that there is, at least in Western classical music, a long tradition of only using one and five, particularly in the classical era. And if you talk to Dr. Shanker of Shankarian analysis, his theory is every single chord progression is just an elaborate variation on one and five. I don't ascribe to that, but and just... the rest of the chords are just passing chords? No, the rest of the chords are just different forms of one and five. Oh, so like... Oh. So like a four chord is really just a one chord and a seven chord is really just a five chord. And I didn't take the full class, but a lot of my <laughs> friends did. And I'm glad I didn't take that class because it sounded really infuriating. I can anyway, kind of see the seven say. and the five, right? Because they both share the same tritone, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, you could just call a seven chord, seeing as it's a diminished chord and that's not super functional, that yeah. it's really just a five seven without the root. Anyway, all of this is just to say that I'm going to be nerding out on music theory oh for most of this podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I, we're glad that you're on for this one because uh, <laughs> I... a lot of my notes are a little bit light on theory. So thank you for that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I actually kind of like went through a bunch of these songs and... Uh, you know, before doing the bio, I, I just sort of would, would figure out what the chords were. And so like I all of my chords are like, oh, this one's C major and D major and this other one's G major to C major. And uh, then, you know, going through the things, though, they're they're all <laughs> C major seventh add nine and 11 and oh, D yeah, major we're getting ahead of ourselves, nine, but yeah. 11 and stuff <laughs> like that. So I'm kind of like, oh, OK, well, mm -hmm. yeah. So 
that that all makes sense, but it also plays well with these major chords. So, oh yeah, we yeah. are getting ahead of ourselves. Also. Well, and I did I I did have some initial thoughts before we get into the yeah. actual reviews yes. about how to fulfill this challenge. I actually found this like at the beginning of last week. I wasn't sure if I was going to submit for this at all because just like a bunch of stuff was happening. Like you said, this is a very challenging challenge. Um, but so my initial thoughts was that there were only a few basic ways to fulfill this challenge. One, and honestly, I thought that this was going to be the most popular way, was to do a one and a five you know tonic to dominant over and over and over again interestingly by my count only two people did that and i thought it was going to be the most popular way to do this by my count the most popular was one to four which is still makes a lot of sense given you know western classical music theory having its influence on modern pop and rock music still that really caught me off guard just the huge number of people who did one to four then some of the other ways to do it would have been um, a different combo of two simple chords, like a one to three. I actually think somebody had a one to a two chord. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and for those playing at home, when I'm when I'm saying numbers, I'm talking about the chords on the Id- individual starting notes throughout a key. So do the chord that starts on do would be the tonic chord. Sol the chord that starts on sol would be the dominant. Four is subdominant, seven is subtonic, et cetera, et cetera. And if I end up using these words, I'll try to define them as I go along. But yeah, so like that was sort of the the three simple ways of doing it. And then my thinking got into the, okay, how can I subvert this challenge? And my thoughts went in a much more crazy direction. (laughs) So first one being the use of polychords. And a polychord is basically when you play two chords at the same time. So if you play, you know, a C major at the same time as you play a D minor chord, that's a polychord. Or you could call it a C major, add nine, add 11, add 13. (laughs) Uh, You know, depending on how you can do it. And the thing about that process is the more of those non-chord tones that you add the ninth, the 11th, the 13th, the more of those you add, the less you take away from what is the heart of this challenge. And I'm just going to go full out and say that is absolutely what I did in my shadow. Like I (laughs) fully consider myself to have cheated with this, but that's, you know, that's what shadows are for, right? (laughs) The interesting thing is depending on which notes in your C major, add nine, add 11, add 13, depending on which notes you bring out, you actually end up, you could have two chords that you're using when you're only calling it one chord. So that was one thought. Another thought was intervals aren't chords. So if you just have a bass and a melody, you could imply as many chords as you want, but it's not a chord, so it doesn't count. (laughs) I I didn't catch anybody doing this. There was one instance where somebody only had the melody and bass going, but it was staying within their established chords. And then my thought was like, how are we defining chords? Is it C and G, or is it one and five, or is it any one and five? If I did a one five chord progression in C major, could I then switch it to G major and have one five in G major and have that still count? I definitely think... That would be no. cheating yeah. and wouldn't count. <laughs> I think um, Micah called of... out key changes as a, as a no-go. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so that was sort of some of my thoughts in terms of how to subvert this challenge. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think anybody listening to this probably already knows, but you know, Micah did have that clarification that, you know, if somebody who is relatively, you know, unversed in the song or completely unversed in the song, certainly, uh, if you were to sit them down with a guitar and say it's going back and forth between these two chords, if they could play along w- using just those chords that you gave them to the entire song, 
then that would fit. If, if, if something didn't fit, you know, then that would be a, an easy way of telling whether or not it met the challenge. So just yeah. sort of like an easy analog kind of a, you know, non-academic way of finding out whether or not it fit. And on, I did that with a lot of songs. I had my, my toy piano uh, <laughs> next, on my desk, which I, you know, re, again, refer to way, way too often. And uh, for some of these songs, especially the ones I had questions about, I was there going plink, 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 uh, all the way through these songs uh, yeah. what, that I thought were a little sus. Turned out fine. Yeah. Yeah. What I thought people were going to do with a challenge is basically do a two chord modal vamp. Like, you know, the song Evil Ways by Santana. It's the minor one to the four in the key of G, Dorian, which is like a minor two to the five in the key of F major. And then, you know, that song Evil Ways has that very distinct two chord vamp, and I think that works really well. And I think there are cases where the tonic is minor in some of these songs, and I think you can kind of look at it as a, as a modal vamp for some of these cases, and I think at least a couple songs took that approach. Yeah, I... I was thinking that everybody was going to do a horse with no name. I thought yeah. that was my fear. And uh, we arguably got one or two horses with no name, but uh, they were fine too. And they were not. <laughs> That's a minor one to the minor two in E Dorian. Mm. I do still suspect some of these songs in ways that I'll discuss a little bit more specifically in the notes. I suspect it's a Veronica's song too. But <laughs> good, you should. Okay, All right, we'll get notes. there. It's in my notes. <laughs> yeah. Stay to the end of the podcast if you want to hear us talk about Sir Veronica's song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, so oh, all right. So that's uh, foreshadowing. It's a lot of foreshadowing already, but uh, we'll we'll get back into that. Was there anything else about this uh, that you wanted to talk about before we got into the reviews? I'm just pleased with how good all of the songs are. I really enjoyed listening to all of them on repeat for the last three days. Yeah, I think the the challenge here was, you know, if you were even going to do a horse with no name was to come up with a really compelling melody again to flourish mm -hmm. within the, this constraint uh, is a challenge. You know, you got to, and a lot of people did so in ways that I could never have predicted. And I'm very happy about it myself. All right. First up, we have Daniel Sittler with What If. Find some rage to channel. Find a cage to rattle Find a way to matter in the end Find a place to hide Find some time to bide Find a way to make amends What if, what if it's all for not? What if, what if it's all we got? What if, what if it's all for not? I have C major and D major with variations, and Daniel is reporting C major 7th add 9 and 11, and D major add 9 and add 11, which is fine. 
This sounds like a sort of current punk pop that should appeal to me, and it does. If the main goal of this challenge is to take a couple of chords and to do something interesting and full uh, with that terrible hobbling limitation, then th this song definitely does that. It avoids being repetitive. Uh, there's a lot of energy and good stuff to listen to throughout. And it's maybe somehow missing some of the charm of his round one through three songs. Though, you know, there's nothing specific that I can point to with that. I, I enjoyed it. Um, maybe not as much as, as I enjoyed his other songs, but it's impressive what he did with these two chords. Yeah, I felt the same way. I really liked how the first verse starts out with just drum, bass, and vocals. And I think the bass sounds really good. I actually had my bass with me when I was listening to start to try to pick out things. And they're a better bass player than I am. Uh, <laughs> just going back between C and D sounds pretty solid. And then the guitars come in during the second half of the verse, mirroring the bass and playing power chords on C and D sounds really cool in the verse. And then the pre-chorus comes in and there's like this urgency that builds up with the staccato guitars and drums playing in unison. And then it just blasts into the chorus and it's, it's pretty great. Like, what if it's all for nothing, I think is a powerful chorus hook. It's a sentiment that I've certainly thought at one time or another. It's got some great angst, and Daniel really comes through on the vocal delivery. And I remember thinking, this is my favorite. I'm one <laughs> song in, and I'm sure this is going to be the winner. And you know, that, that sort of punk thing, that angsty kind of angry music really does it for me. And, you know, I wouldn't have even noticed it was a two-chord song, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, I... I'm with you. I really loved the opening. The delay on the guitar is a really cool effect. And when you put that on the syncopated drums, um, it just makes this really awesome polyrhythm going on with that intro. And then they bring it back later. And it's just, God, it feels like you're swimming through this beautiful guitar sound. I really love the chorus. I totally head bopping. I was singing along with it all the time. I was singing along while I was like doing dishes and just like <laughs> bursting into song. There were like, there were two songs this round that did that for me. And this is one of them where it was just like, yeah, I want to sing along with this. What if it's all um, for nothing? <laughs> and we're just getting by. Yeah, I know. I love it. <laughs> I can, I can, I can hum it. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it works as a hook. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I thought it was interesting how they used the effects on the guitars. You know, the, the opening has that cool reverb and delay on it. They bring back the reverb in the chorus to harken back to the beginning. And then when they have the post-chorus, it brings back that delay as well. So it just has a really nice tying in effect. The minimal reverb on the vocal, you know, it makes it really sit on top of the instrumentals. At first, I thought that there was no reverb on the vocal at all. But then I realized that it did have just a littlest bit, which I think is probably the same reverb that they had on the drums, which was also just just enough to be there. I have a couple of just nitpicks. <laughs> These, you can ignore them because I wouldn't have noticed if I wasn't listening to it on repeat for the past three days. But like in the first pre, uh, the vocal gets ever so slightly off the beat. And in verse two, the doubling of the guitar is not quite locked in with the vocal, which I think they're supposed to have the same rhythm and the same melody. And it just doesn't quite line up as it could. That's but so again, punk, though. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It could just be stylistic, and I was I was literally sitting there looking for something to yeah, say that it's yeah. a drawback and wasn't really wasn't really there. Um, I did mention earlier about the idea of intervals aren't chords, and you could use as a, that as a loophole. This is a song where 
in the verses, uh, well, particularly in verse one, they have the melody and the bass, but there's not really any sort of harmony or pad or anything behind it. So it is just the melody and the bass. And in theory, they could have gone to imply other chords, but they didn't. So good on you for staying to the spirit. Nice. I do want to say, let's talk about chords. Yeah. So so the, the C and the D, yeah. like there are two major chords that are next to each right. other. Well, here's the thing. I don't believe that it is a C and a D. Oh. I flat out reject that. Yeah. Okay. It's a C major seven, add nine, add 11, which look, if the seven's in there, you can just say it's a C major 11 chord and it's got all three of those extra tones. That is literally a C chord and a G seven chord. So you've got the tonic and the dominant, the one and the five on top of each other. And depending which one you emphasize with the bass or with the instrumentation, you really end up having a one chord and a five chord squished together. Add to that D major, D is the dominant of G. If this song is in C major, it's D is a five of five because D is normally minor in C major. So in reality, I think this is actually a song that is in the key of G with C as the subdominant or the four chord and D as the dominant. Yeah. And so that's, you end and up that's, having a three chord song. Yeah. And that's wah, kind wah, of sneaky. But that, that's sort of cheating when somebody else is doing it, right? No, I'm it's kidding. cheating when someone isn't a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> But honestly, I like this song enough that I might not ding them too hard in my <laughs> rankings, since I know this is a ranked vote. Yeah. But the other thing is, I mean, I'm going to use my uh, toy piano as uh, <laughs> as as my own judge. I was able to play those. those C I, and D. The thing, yeah. I, and I just did C and D, C and D major. I didn't do the 7th, ninth, and 11th. You know, screw that. I just played those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that sounds that sounds nice. And it fits in with everything. And I know other stuff is going on. There's different variations and stuff, but it all sounds, you know, if you have a toy, <laughs> and I, I recommend that you get a toy piano and play along with the song. Uh, if you play along, it uh, fits. It doesn't sound dissonant at any point. So, Fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have no doubt that they're cheating, that they're I one will, of several bands I cheating. will point out, though, that there are two types of dissonance. There's crunchy dissonance, which is what most people think of, tritones, minor seconds, blah, blah, blah. But then you also have, like, pleasing dissonance. You know, your, your add nine, your 11. Those are technically dissonances. And if you've added them in, even if you play the C chord over a G chord, it still sounds like it fits. Anyway, I am... <laughs> team this is a three chord song but i like it enough <laughs> to not care too much <laughs> all right okay fair they fair. wouldn't have passed your scrutiny <laughs> no <laughs> okay all right well then who's next on the chopping block next up on the chopping block we've got brian gray with gestalt welcome there's so much work to do nine Surprise, here's some debt to go into. Save us from the decades that we span. No time like now to understand the parts. The sum is greater than. up to this whole gestalt you'd never ask for this it's tragic and of course it's no one's fault except of course it is the world 
world we knew is coming to a halt. Lie back and reminisce. Brian goes acoustic with this number, uh, opting for instruments that can easily be carried by humans fleeing the global apocalypse, according to the liner notes. So when I first heard this song, I was like, oh, great. We, can have, we finally get a break from the Glebal verse. But nope. After I uh, read the liner notes, I'm like, oh, okay. This is actually a Glebal verse song. So apparently the humans are dealing with climate catastrophe based on the Glebal aliens terraforming the planet to make it more to their liking. With arsenic in the in the soil. Yeah. Which, which is good for them somehow. Which is, yeah, I guess they like that. But, you know... That doesn't really matter because the song sounds great on its own and the lyrics work on a bunch of different levels. And, you know, even though this does sound a little bit like Sheryl Crow, uh, I think it, you know, it, it's great. It's To me, it sounds more like Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, I think, than and Sheryl Crow. And so. Crow. <laughs> and Sheryl Crow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I really like the acoustic vibe of the song. I think Brian's harmonies are just really sweet and really nice. And I just love, love, love them. I think the congas and the tambo and the harmonica, they blend up really nicely with the vocals. And they form this sort of lovely laid back vibe that's just super easy on the ears. Um, yeah, I like this song a lot. I'm like, oh, got a winner. This is definitely the winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am with you. I actually wasn't sure this was part of the Glebal verse at first. I thought that it works really well as its own song separate. It's also got kind of a separate tonal vibe, which he explains in the bio about it just being, you know, hand instruments that you could carry with you as, say, human refugees hiding in a cave, which I thought was really effective. It really, really brought out to me this feeling of, you know, folk rock, Simon and Garfunkel kind of feeling, which I really liked. I loved the choir vocals that he does especially when they first come in on surprise, surprise. and how they kind of build in more and more throughout the song it just uh, it's, it's that really good. is my aesthetic i love it <laughs> <laughs> i love these close vocal harmonies really really well done is that thirds and six when you say close vocal harmonies Fun fact, a third and a sixth is an inverted interval. So you, they could, in theory, be the same notes, but the third would be the close vocal harmony, whereas the sixth is more open. Mm. So I would put close vocal harmonies if you've got, like, a nice crunchy major second or a third and a fourth, and maybe a fifth if you've got, like, the first, the third, and the fifth of a chord all being sung at once. I would call that a close vocal harmony because it's all really close together. As opposed to if I kind of feel like if you get into sixth octave, something more than an octave, that's when it gets more spread out and has a different orchestrational reason for doing that. But my ear, based on, like, the music that I grew up in, I just love close vocal harmonies. Yeah, I really leapt right uh, out of the speakers for me i was like oh this is gorgeous brian's voice yeah. sounds so good here yeah absolutely and then going over to his lyrics for this song i really really like the line of course it's no one's fault except of course it is like that is just such a perfect way to put the whole climate crisis or the whole glebal crisis <laughs> yeah <laughs> one of the same Right, exactly. It's the same crisis. Interestingly, you know, for the most part, I thought that his lyrics were really well done, really well put together. I wasn't a big fan of the Born Yesterday lyric. I think it was just a little bit clunky compared to the rest of the whole thing. 
not to nitpick here, but I feel like it would have been better if it was not like you're born just yesterday. I feel like that would have worked better with the declamation. But again, <laughs> I didn't write this song. You did. So you can ignore me. <laughs> you being Brian Gray in this instance. <laughs> And I just had a couple of other thoughts. What were they? Interesting choice of reverb on the vocal. Sounds a little bit like he's singing in a bathroom. <laughs> or maybe an underground chamber. So maybe that was on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like one of those caves they're hiding in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The folky feeling of the song is really accentuated by the two chord challenge. You know, that very simple back and forth. I thought it worked really well. This is definitely one of those one four songs because uh, even though the verse its home is G and it sort of visits C in the boom chicks and yeah. the chorus, the home is C and it visits G in the boom chicks. I definitely think that G is the home. It's the tonic here, partially because it starts and ends on G and also because a lot of times with choruses, you know, that's kind of like the development we're going and visiting something else, tonicize the dominant, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you, you stole a lot of my notes. Um, actually, I mean, before this podcast started, like I mentioned before, Chumpy and I are in the same room for the first time ever recording a podcast. We got the whole thing set up. I was kind of showing to, to him, uh, you know, harken, it harkened back to a song that we listened to several, several years ago called the Walk and Talk and Johnny Cash Blues, which has a boom chick uh, that, that also follows the 12 uh, bar blues, but it's a boom chick at each station. Uh, but but here I just kind of like uh, cut all of this. This is crap. But I, I showed how it like it does the boom check and it goes between the G uh, as the bass and then that it hits the C and then goes directly back to the G, and then when you hit the C as the chorus, then that also, you know, it just works really well because it's such a completely different feel to it. Anyway, uh, this is another one that I, I just this one I actually just picked up my guitar and could play along with really easily and it sounded just fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think the song really stretches the way that Daniel Sittler's does, but you know it doesn't matter since uh, this one has so much appeal. He does this great thing where you know both chords are built into every measure of the verses, and that gives the chorus a good sort of different feel when he leans on that second chord, as you know described before. I'm concerned now though about how this is still in the Glebel verse, and I'm kind of wondering, is he doing this because he's excited about the Glebel verse? Or is he doing it because he thinks everyone is expecting him to continue writing in the Glebal verse at this point? Mm. You know, I don't know, but I, I yeah. feel like the judges should have given him explicit permission to write outside of this theme, whether he wants or needs that position or not, uh, that permission or not. I I think he doesn't need that permission because I know in previous spin tunes he's we've accused him of ham-handedly <laughs> sort of wedging. <laughs> Uh, a contri you know, this contrived sort of uh, uh, area for a song to take place in, this sort of contrived mm. scenario. Uh, so I think that he can or can't, you know, uh, insert it in the Glebal verse at his will, and he's perfectly fine doing any of that. But still, I kind of wonder if uh, if he would maybe be submitting different songs if he didn't feel tied to the Glebal verse. Yeah, you know, what's interesting about that is the first spin tunes I ever did was, I think, the first... Glebelverse uh, song the for the glory of Glebelglorp, yes. which again, <laughs> great song. Absolutely, um, yes. But yeah, so I've only ever heard him do Glebel Glebelverse songs. I would love to hear what he did before Glebelglorp. I don't know what he did before Glebelglorp. Oh wow, a lot of glow hop rock. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is crap glow hop rock. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, no, I mean, I would highly recommend you. I mean, just off the top of my head, my uh, my Raptor Descartes and I, uh, which is uh, about a Velociraptor. Uh, Velociraptor? Velociraptor. Velociraptor. That's yeah. it. It's from the meme um, one. That was excellent. It. There's also the Amity Island Land Park and All You Can Eat Buffet, which is about Jaws. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from the from the point of view of the Their sharks. Their family is obsessed with Jaws. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you saw that. Yeah. I did see that. But um, but he, he, oh gosh. And then what else? There, there's a song to save, what was it? I think South Bend which is so mean <laughs> but anyhow there, there, he's got a ton he's written so many songs and so many mm-hmm. of them are so 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 good i'd highly recommend you to check out sort of his back catalog because there's some some real real uh diamonds in there but anyway okay so but about the gleeble verse i i think that staying within the gleeble verse obviously hasn't limited him in any way though and in his bio of course you know as you mentioned he more or less explicitly stated a corollary with the song in, in real life, in particular with climate change. And just like you mentioned, I love that lyric. It's tragic, and of course it's no one's fault, except of course it is. I feel like that applies to many of the world's ills, where the common wisdom suggests that any number of tragedies couldn't be helped and couldn't be prevented, when in reality we just don't want, don't want to acknowledge reality and... Uh, point to ourselves that way and by ourselves i mean humanity or consumers or voters or employees or whatever for the longest time every time that there was a mass shooting the onion would run the same article no way to prevent this says only nation where this keeps happening right. regularly yeah yep. yep and that that is that has been posted like i want to say hundreds of times but yeah uh also though okay now my turn to nitpick i think that the gestalt reference is not particularly apt except maybe a ref as a reference to that line in the verse and it sounded great but it might have also not been so literally perfectly apt uh several years ago we were challenged to write double dactyls uh, and one of the six syllable words that we had to use was the word characteristically which was a real gimme because characteristically means that something is behaving the way that it behaves, mm-hmm. uh, which is too easy because that can apply to anything. And in this song, I think Gestalt is meant to encompass sort of the whole setting. And if you're using it that way, then you can use the word Gestalt for pretty much anything. So why bother? Um, my smartphone is more than the sum of its parts. You know, my house plant is more than the sum <laughs> of its parts. And yeah, okay, my dystopia is more than the sum of its parts too. But that's uh, me being too pedantic. I do wonder if the title is also a jab at the limitations of the challenge, like a suggestion that despite being just two chords, the song is more than that. And I definitely have to agree. Uh, The vocal harmony is obviously wonderful. The vocal melody is catchy and appealing throughout the song. And the performance is wonderfully expressive. And I'm glad that I have uh, no tuning artifacts to complain about. (laughs) Um, I thought the stripped down production works well too. Okay. All right, well, next up, by Sober, It Never Comes, here it comes.
I gotta say, I love this song <laughs> so much. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god, you guys. It's so Homer, good. Yeah. You nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You have tickled all my fancies with this song. Music theory sex puns. Ah, I love it. <laughs> wait, wait, there are sex puns? <laughs> oh, oh, jumpy. <laughs> this is the dirtiest song I've seen in Spin Tunes in quite some time. <laughs> oh my god. It's I, why, I, I knew that, that the line about her not playing darling, the D. don't play the D no more. That is a gateway pun. I, I knew that Ryan would make a D joke about that for sure. <laughs> But like I just I didn't know that that was intended. I thought no, I just, no, it's oh my it's, god, oh my so god, so beautiful. Whoosh. You guys, you guys, my darling, don't play the D no more is a gateway pun. <laughs> yes. You think that's the big sex joke? You think that that's oh yeah, he just threw that in to be funny? Until you look back and you mm. realize that they are all sex jokes. Oh my god, every single beautiful line. <laughs> yes. It's like the twist in Bioshock. You look back and you're like, oh my god, it was right there in front of me. How did I not? Okay, break like, it down for us. You have, every night you lie awake and think about the music that we'd make. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all the chords that we once knew, but now we only play the two. Come on, guys. They used yeah. to have a rip-roaring sex life, <laughs> and now yeah. it's just like missionary or cowgirl, because that's all they got time for. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, you come back into the, oh, my God, the Picardy third line. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of the Picardy third being either this is this is what I think it is. It's either a very acrobatic sex act or it's a threesome. I think it could have been done oh. either way. I I wasn't sure. I was looking into that and trying to figure out what that and I Extensions, I looked inversions. up Picardy and stuff like that. I did like the line about the one and the five, which I thought was mm -hmm. hilarious. Chumpy is looking at me aghast. Uh, so so when uh, earlier today too, we were talking about our favorite songs, and I mentioned that this one just made me laugh so hard and it was so funny and stuff like that. And he's like, and he's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I didn't know that that he was. That he was missing out. So, oh my God! I think he'll have to Chumpy, listen back Chumpy. and try again. Tell me, what, what is the one in the I five? I want to hear a nice subdominant. Oh yeah. Oh, he's looking for a girl with some bass. <laughs> but he's loyal. He's yes. loyal, so he's gonna stick with the one and five. Look, the one and five might be a little bit more, you know, pedestrian. No, no. I think the I think the one and five is something very specific. What? You, oh, so I think I think and... no, no. I think that five is five fingers, and he has one uh, other oh, item. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so right. Oh, <laughs> so if he's sticking with the one in five, then it's like he's doing that instead of what he wants to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I get it. Oh God. The tension and like. I love the feeling, the tension, and building suspense like a song that ends on a half cadence, and then he ends it on a, a half, half cadence. Yes. Yes. Beautiful sex painting right there. Anyway, it's That's just... the word that you used, right? <laughs> that you told me that. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. was like, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's tone painting. It's tone painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, oh my God, I, what I wrote in my notes, and this sounds incredibly <laughs> stupid now, <laughs> is that, like, I I had imagined an adult Sesame Street where this song was played by country Muppets because, you know, it's just fun and educational, you know, and being entertaining and lively. I had no idea it was also dirty. Uh, just, uh, chef's kiss on all of those 
music theory, nerdy shit. Sorry, are For we sure. allowed to swear? Oh, totally. Yes, 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 yes. Nerd- yeah, after I screamed sex puns like 17 <laughs> times, yeah, I'm shit here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like music theory, nerdy shit, puns, sex puns, which are just the low-hanging fruit, double entendre intended. It's great. <laughs> but yeah, okay. Sober, you say that this is the stupid song possible. Au contraire. Oh, contraire. I have never seen a more perfect union of double entendre and music theory. You did a great job. Also, you're one of the, I think, two people who did a 1-5 song, which, again, I thought was going to be way more common. And, okay, the reason why I didn't do a 1-5 song was because I knew that to make a 1-5 song really good, you'd have to, like, work really hard on it, and I didn't have the time last week. But, dude, you nailed it. You just, oh my it's God. so good. And the way, especially like in that last chorus, when you're like, um, my uh, her baseline is walking too yes. low. Yeah, it and was you like, can feel the chord. Yes. You can hear the chord in your head. You, you know can taste it's coming. it. Yes. And yeah. they don't give it to you. Yeah. Mm. They don't. And, they, is... and the ending of the half cadence is also incredibly yeah. unsatisfying. Yeah. <laughs> is it unsatisfying or does it make the eventual payoff that much better? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that much better. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh. I, I, it's dizzying. It's, so it's the one just, of the yeah. five failed him, and <laughs> not... oh wow. Okay. 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 So yeah. Anyway, that's my favorite song. <laughs> All right. Yeah. With with this one, yeah, just just like we were talking about, I, I laughed and laughed and laughed. It's so goddamn clever, and it's so meta. And I know there's a, a lot of sort of backlash against meta these days, but I don't care. I love meta. And all you haters can go fuck yourselves. This is perfect. <laughs> I've always been a little on the fence about Sober. I mean, I've always kind of clocked the amazing talent that he has, the wonderful voice and the wonderful production and the skill. I've also seen sort of the corner that he puts himself in as a relatively safe and well-worn area. But uh, this song just blew me away. It's dizzying and brilliant how he placed the discussion of song tropes into the narrative of the song while illustrating it with the actual music. And the punchlines hit so great. You know, I kind of I, I apologize in advance if there's some inherently sexist angle that I'm mixing. But the narrator seems, you know, not unhappily resigned to spend the rest of his life in this arrangement with his darling. And he doesn't seem particularly resentful or entitled about it. Uh, it seems yeah, closer. for what it's worth, mm-hmm. as a raging feminist, I just see this as like a great song. I don't see anything that offends me. Yeah, it seems kind of Maybe closer. Maybe too close to it. Well, it does seem a little closer to the kind of the realm of self-deprecating humor than it is, mm-hmm. you know, like insulting or degrading or belittling yeah. to his his female partner. But I'm I'm open to other opinions on it. I just I just feel you know I I feel like these lyrics should be fine, but I could be wrong, and I'm open to that. I will mention that the lyrics are a little better heard than read. Uh, like when you hear the song, the uh, ribald puns, you know, take you by surprise and they seem to come out of nowhere. And you're left with a feeling that you should backtrack and reassess what you, what, what's already been said, you know, because like the first, the, the, the first D comes and you're like, Oh wait, I mean, it doesn't come. And then you're like, Oh wait, I have to reassess what, what this first uh, verse was because I must've missed out on some other stuff. And it just, and I love it when that happens, when things are going by so quickly that you're certain you're missing out and you're not catching everything. Oh my God. This song is yeah. called it never comes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh God, I'm such an idiot. It, it 
blooms like one of those fancy tea balls that's a flower and like slowly opens up in the hot water. That's what the song is. Exactly. You pull away the layers of understanding. Exactly. And and when the when the you know when they uh, the, the first punchlines come, you know you're primed for the next bits coming up too. Mm. But uh, anyway, yeah, like I said before, I just love this song. Uh, the guitar work is really nice. It sounds great. Oh yeah, that Telecaster sounds amazing. Yeah, and some of those bent notes are pretty, pretty sweet. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like totally idiomatic country licks. Like, yeah. yeah. Like he's incredibly talented. And I love the composition. And like we already mentioned, how he walks that bass up to make you anticipate so strongly that D and you anticipate it so intensely, you know, it's there, it's coming. And then it just, doesn't. it's not there. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's dizzying. It's dizzying is, is the best way to put it because you, you get in, you're invested in that D yeah. coming. And, well, it just and you've heard come. that walk up in a million you're songs. You're invested in the D. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to. You have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we skip you, Chumpy? Uh, I I think, yeah. Looking back on my notes, I did not get this song. I just thought it was a fun educational like music theory song. And was. I was like, eh, it's kind of, it's, it's really wrong. good, but I'm, you know, not really blown. Jesus. <laughs> this song is going to be haunting Chumpy in his sleep tonight. Wow. Whoosh. Well, uh, you know... Uh, I'm glad I'm glad we did this, and I yeah. might have to rethink some of my votes here. <laughs> All right, are, are we moving on? We're moving on. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Jim of Seattle with variations on an end. goes between D minor 7th and G major 7th and I swear there's an F major slipped in this song too which is easy you know just remove the D from a D minor 7th chord and you end up with that F chord yeah. 
Yeah, but we're going to talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I played along with uh, each of these songs on my toy piano, switching back and forth between each of those two chords uh, throughout the song, and it all worked fine. So I'm, I stopped trying to pinpoint anything like that. I'm stopping my forensics. So uh, the, the song had just so much orchestration and so much instrumentation, and it was so beautiful. And I just learned sitting here with Chumpy that a lot of that was not synths. It was, it was live saxophone and live strings and live clarinet, and, which uh, impresses the hell out of me. But the song is beautiful. Uh, I love how the lines practically come in these sort of entrancing waves. And of course, the lyrics are right up my alley too. So, you know, so much so that they remind me a bit of Jerkatorium's song, We Should, you know, because the end of the song repeats We Should three times. Uh, And I don't mean, you know, don't get me wrong. They're quite different lyrics, but the theme of miscommunication and bad communication and you know, dysfunction born of a lack of communication and expectations. You know, that's that's like my whole thing. That's like almost all of the lyrics I ever write, really. So, so yeah, these words appeal to me, even though it's just a few spare few words per line, but it's lovely. And it might not be enough of an up-tempo head bobber for me to put it on my Zoom playlist, but I like this song a lot. Yeah, you know, I actually didn't think that the sections with vocals were the best part of the song. I mean, I like that it was, you know, about a relationship that was coming to an end and it was sad. But the part of the song I really loved was the instrumental that is in between the two sections with vocals. And that instrumental section starts at about two minutes in. It's so good, like... You start hearing those tremolo strings, which are amping up the tension, like, subtly, while the piano and a jazz saxophone play their parts. It's just really sublime. And then it releases that tension in a really nice way with the wonderfully charming waltz time piano section, which is later joined by some whistling and a violin and a woodblock. It just, it's super charming, and just the music there really is captivating. Yeah. There are so many great instrumental touches in this song. I love how Jim combines the piano with a harp at the end of the intro section, which launches us into the verse. It just sounds like rich and classy. I don't know how to describe it. I'm sure that's a trope that I've heard a number of times, but it's not something I've ever heard in Songfighter spin tunes very often. And the clarinet sax and the strings, they all work really effectively together and I feel like there's some next level arranging chops on display here that few other songs in this round can even really get close to. I like a lot of the songs this round for different reasons, but none of them I think are quite as strong as musically as this one in in that instrumental section. It's really quite amazing what Jim has been able to do with those two chords. I'm I'm really in awe of his talent. Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. The orchestration on this is gorgeous. And I think part of why you really love that section, I'm getting into your head now, Chumpy. I think part of the reason why you really love that section is this actually was originally supposed to be an instrumental, according to his bio. He actually said that he only put in the vocals because 
they're required for spin tunes, but otherwise it would have been an instrumental piece. I personally am really glad that I ended up putting in the vocals for this because it really reminds me of one of my all-time favorite classical music pieces, Ravel's Daphnis at Chloe, which is just a gorgeous ballet. And that's actually what this piece makes me think of. It, it feels like a ballet, like a very short, tiny dance. Like there needs to be two people on stage while the choir's in the background singing with them. And I, I really think that the vocals are an important part of this piece because of that, because it helps shape the story that's happening with the dancers that are in my mind's eye. And it's beautifully sung, the, but the vocals were so well mixed and it perfectly blends into the orchestration of the instrumentals. The singing really reminds me of the 60s and I can't put my finger on why, but it, it like gives me this nostalgic hippie music feeling, which I, I really couldn't tell you why. It just it just is so pretty. It's so pretty. It's so lovely. And I just really like it. You know, and the feeling that this could be a dance also is reinforced by the fact to me that the lyrics don't really mean much. And I know that this is like in opposition to what Ryan said like three <laughs> minutes ago, but it feels like they're sort of very, they're very vague. It's, yeah, they're very sparse. They're very vague. It's more about the sound of the words than it is about the story that they're telling or the specific sentences or turns of phrases that they're using. Um, and that helps it fold into the orchestration to make this feel like a, a grander ballet piece. Getting into nitpicks, I think the whistling is a little bit sharp. Could have been <laughs> melodyned or pitch corrected. It just like, it always stood out to me because it was just the tiniest bit of I played parts of it for Ryan before the, before we began. And I was like, oh dude, I'd tune that whistling. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah. just, it was a little sharp and otherwise it would have been perfect, but, or maybe on a flute. Could be really nicely done. So going back to the chords. <sighs> so as Ryan said, if you take the D off of a D minor seven chord, you have an F major chord. Yes. <laughs> and even if you take your toy piano and you play a D minor seven <laughs> over that F major chord, it'll sound like it fits. It'll sound like it belongs. But functionally, when you take the D away... When your darling don't play that D no more. <laughs> uh, when you take it away, it it is an F major chord. And, you know, there were a couple of moments in this piece where, you know, you had so many blue notes, so many extensions, so many polychords that they really became new chords. This is especially in like some of the transition pieces where you've got... Um, thirds, uh, parallel thirds moving in some of the woodwinds. And... You know, at one point, it's just the parallel thirds. And okay, that falls into intervals are not chords. But later, you have them doing those parallel thirds over a sustained other notes. And mm, that that's turns a chord. it into a chord. It turns it into a chord. You got three notes. It's like you need two points for a line, three points for a plane, two notes for an interval, three notes for a chord. I think that this song doesn't meet the brief. Yeah. Which is a shame because it is really beautiful. But I just, I think that it it failed at the spirit and eventually also at the letter of wow. the brief. Wow. Interesting. Good so take. Is this, so this is going to harm it in your rankings? And I, let, let's I, your rankings count. I'm yeah, like, that's right. You're the only one here with agency. Uh, it's true. Yeah, we... <laughs> I think that, I don't know, I don't even know if we have to rank. We were trying to figure this out. Only before. if there's a tie. Okay. Or is it that we rank, but 
uh, it only matters if there's a tie. Yeah, I think that's okay. So we still have to rank. Yeah. Well, no, the the thing is, I want to get away with not ranking. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not going to unless Micah makes me. So. <laughs> yeah. I, give, I give everybody a one. <laughs> but but no, but it's it's. Uh, I guess you know. Well, the the worst score anybody can get in this is four, though, right? So yeah, five, five, five. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. So and uh, that's gonna be what this one is for me. I, I'm really? sorry, Jim of Seattle. It just. But you thought it was more egregious than say Daniel Sittler. Or, uh, yeah, okay. you know, Daniel Sittler, like, there is there is a place for me to say, yeah, that was a polycord. Whereas here, it really does feel like it was like, all right, we're just going to stuff as many extensions in here as we can to get away with making new chords, which I'm just going to say is what I did with my song. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely cheated, but again, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I was a shadow. <laughs> right. So you were allowed. So it takes one to know one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm calling you out. <laughs> yeah. You stole my cheat. Yeah. <laughs> up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, A, B, B, A. Those, those are the chord tones that I just. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we've got Chaz Rock with Hotel by the Hospital. I was wondering if there'd be a non-shadow song in where the two-chord challenge seemed like it would be a little limiting, or if I like really noticed it. And this one was like that for me. The relentless back and forth between the two chords, combined with kind of the dour lyrics, made this a bit of a challenging listen for me. I found lots of stuff to like though. The song certainly set the mood for feeling like lonely and isolated. And some of the imagery I thought really resonated, like that line about the hotel TV has shit on it from 10 years ago. Maybe I'll <laughs> close my eyes and wake up inside the episode. <laughs> and I think there's something really depressing about broadcast TV in places like hotels and hospitals. And that line really stuck with me. The song has a really interesting concept of being you know, separated from your partner and being stuck in a hotel which overlooks a hospital and having a view on that suffering. And the song sets the mood and that longing for home and to have everything back to being normal again is, is really there. It's just, I really felt it was relentless in going back and forth between those two chords. It, it didn't do boom chickas or like it didn't, <laughs> I, I felt it wasn't super creative in the, the motion between those two. 
And uh, my notes sound like that too. Oh, do they? Yeah. Okay. Oh, interesting. Mine don't. Oh, good thing you're next. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep on going, uh, Chunky. Oh, I'm 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 pretty much out of gas at this point. Well, it's interesting that you say out of gas. I consider this to be under what I personally consider to be driving at night music, which is music that you put on when you're on the highway and it's nighttime and it's like one of those New York suburbs. There's a lot of lights up and you're just driving. It's 2 a.m. There's lights, but only like two other cars on the road and you just sort of get into a trance. You do the like non-trauma dissociation where it's like, oh, I'm already at my place and I don't remember driving there. And that's kind of what the song really does for me. It it is sneakily five minutes. I didn't realize that this song is so long and it's yeah. because it just like, it puts me into a trance. And I think part of it is because it doesn't have that boom chicka. It doesn't have, you know, big jangly orchestration. It's just got this nice kind of trance going back and forth, not quite to the point of being spa music, but like it's really puts you in a particular mood. I noticed that there weren't a lot of chords either. Like it was often just bass notes. Yeah. Well, what was interesting is there was a lot of really interesting synths that he used that had interesting tampers, but not very, how do I put this? Not very specific notes, if that makes sense. It's like, this is a cool sound, and I can tell that the sound is higher, but I can't tell you what note that higher sound is kind of thing, you know? And that was a really cool effect. And really well balanced with the effects he uses on his voice. The different reverbs and delays and distortions on different parts of the lyrics is a really cool way to make things sort of stand out. When he says, I guess we wish, I guess we both wish we were home, or I guess we all want to go home, that's always done in a more distorted, more set back. I think the dry is low and the wet is up on the reverb just to like make it sound farther back. It's almost just a part of the orchestration at that point, as opposed to a part of the lyrics at that point. And I think that's a really cool effect. And I love the vocal harmonies on the chorus, especially that soaring high one on the second chorus, just like when he goes, neither, and it just kind of falls away in a sort of wash of reverb. It's so cool. Yeah, I really love this. Going into the criticism at this point, I think some of the lines are a little clunky and it's made more evident of that by the way that he delivers them. Like when he says, there's a hospital visible from the hotel window. He very, very determinedly delivers that in the common meter when hospital, visible, those are dactyls. You can have a little three against two there and I think it would have helped a little bit, because otherwise it just goes a little too bump, 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 bump the whole time. Oh, and as far as chords go, F feels like tonic, and then it goes to B flat. One, four. Discounts. You're good. I don't hear anything else happening. <laughs> no polychords in this one. <laughs> yeah. Didn't didn't shoot himself in the foot by trying to do <laughs> do too much, I guess. Yeah, you know, there's some tasteful dissonance in there, but like. At no point does it feel like we are establishing a new chord. So, good job. I was uh, kind of pleasantly surprised with the the tone and the you know the subject matter of this song. I think we'd only heard just flat out comedy from Chaz Rock before. Is that right? I think he did say that his previous songs were a little bit more upbeat, and he wanted to try a sad song this time around. 
Yeah, which is weird for you know the final round. Again, we're we're not uh, nobody gets cumulative, so it's all <laughs> it's all this last thing that you're supposed to wow us with or wow everybody else with anyway. And so I'm kind of surprised with like Jim of Seattle and Chaz Rock doing something a little a little more low key. I mean, there's like in this Chaz Rock song, there's still some good subtle humor in there, uh, some great imagery, uh, but it's a nice and somewhat despondent reflective number. Like Cyronica said, it has a good moving groove. It's a good sort of head bobbing uh, kind of a song. And, and again, I really love the lyrics. It's kind of like mm. a slow Jeff Rosenstock number, I think. And coming from me, that's a big compliment. <laughs> um, so I like this song a lot. But even though I don't find it repetitive or boring, I think it is the most repetitive and least compositionally inventive of the five entries. Yeah, and, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and by least inventive, I mean it's mostly just cycling back and forth between those two chords, you know, again, or maybe mostly just the bass notes of those two chords uh, on the synthesizer in a more or less predictable pattern for a full five minutes. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's a great song. I enjoyed it a lot. These are all great songs, uh, but I I, there, I won't be surprised if Chaz Rock doesn't win Spin Tunes 18 with this number because it all comes yeah. down to this last number. Again, nothing's cumulative. We're not judging people on their body of work. Yeah. Well, unless anybody has anything else to say about Hotel by the Hospital, do we want to take a moment and just talk about the regular entries before we move on to the shadows? Yeah, let's do that. I guess so. You're the only one who counts. That's true. I'm the only one who counts. And yes. I count five. Five whole songs. Uh, well, we know we know who you claim is going to come in number five. Yeah. Uh, and I think we know who you think is going to come in number one. Yeah. The one who did the one five. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to have to run these by Grumpy Mike because uh, he's the other half of the pleasantry. Um, but I definitely feel like Sober is going to be number one. If I had my druthers, Jim of Seattle would be number five. And it, again, it's not a reflection of the music. It is a reflection of the brief. When it comes to the other three, I'm a little, I'm a little wishy-washy. Maybe Daniel Sittler and then Brian Gray and then Chaz Rock, but that could get mixed up a little bit. You know, Gestalt could go before What If. Uh, I got to sort of sit down and really think about it. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts about who you're going to list or not list if you have your drivers? Well, you know, I, I was going to have Jim of Seattle be number one. Ooh. And, you know, sober, like, probably number three or four. But yeah, I have to rethink that now. <laughs> so, yeah, you've, you've definitely influenced my thinking. I was, I was going to put sober as number one just because, you know, this is... Because I laughed all the way through it, number one, and because <laughs> uh, I love meta, and because this is done so well, and it 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 made my stomach turn in knots with that walk up, and I mean, it just really was effective and hilarious, and uh, and I thought that was fantastic, and you know, I like I think I mentioned before, I've not been rooting for sober. You know, because I, I think he's an amazing talent, but he's also already won. I know that should not go into my judgment at all, but I can I can feel that way. I'm allowed to because I'm not ranking this time because mm -hmm. my, my, my vote doesn't count at all. So but the thing is that this was such and I think that he took the, the right attitude with this too. him and uh, Daniel Sittler took the right attitude and did barn burners. They, they did flashy numbers that you want to listen to over and over again and are going to make you, 
yeah, and that you want to hear again, and that uh, uh, that are impressive one way or another. So I, I think it, I, I think those are maybe my tops: Daniel Sittler and and Sober. But Sober's got to be number one because oh, mm. brilliant, so brilliant, so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and you love a good D joke. Can't lie. I do. Look, close vocal harmonies and puns. That's how to get me to vote for you every time. <laughs> So Brian Gray's got to be pretty up there. Those vocal harmonies were amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were. I, I really got to sit down and decide if it's going to be him or Daniel Stittler as my number two. Yeah, well, now that we've uh, gone through all the songs that count, let's go <laughs> through the songs that don't count, starting off with Seaman Ski, Brief. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge right. It's on your sight, but I'm gonna get the challenge It's a great pun, you know, it's because this whole song is about the challenge or the brief, if you will. And it's really stinking short or brief, if you will. Anyway, I like to explain puns to people who already got them. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Shite and right is a great rhyme to hear, you know, for 30 seconds straight. Um, e flat to G flat, another one to four chord. But, and here's the brilliance of this little tiny nugget of a song. The whole point is that, you know, he's asking, did I do this right? Did did I get it right? And then he says, fuck no. And then he just plays an E chord at the end, bringing <laughs> yeah. in a third chord. Brilliant. Bam. Good jape, sir. I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Disqualified. <laughs> DQ'd. Yes. Enjoy yeah. your frozen blizzard. <laughs> No. <laughs> our new sponsor yeah no no uh, yeah no i agree it's short and sweet and i i got sort of a television vibe meets white stripes vibe uh and then of course he trolls us with a third chord at the end so it's disqualified uh but it's it's very it's a lot of fun uh clearly not meant to be taken seriously uh clear clearly meant to be a cute little joke and not a contender and I, I got to applaud that effort. I mean, I, I like that he entered two. Uh, it you know, harkens back to uh, last round with uh, Jocko, uh, homomorphism, who put in two. And one of them was funny and short and, uh, and really worth listening awesome. to. Yeah. And also kind of just reminds me of that time that Max Bombast, I think, in Nur Ein <laughs> submitted like five. Yeah. So just, just. Yeah, neat. I, I, I applaud this. I think this is great. I think this is the right way to do it, the right way to approach everything. My review is shite, but I'm going to get <laughs> something right. And the way that Szymanski belts out right at 25 seconds in is the best part of this song. And in my view, it cements him as the most inspiring rock vocalist this round. Woo. So good. I, I love that I love his vocals and I love when he just goes for it. The second most inspiring. 
we have a guest. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He's right. <laughs> it's good. I mean, I, I, I can't. I mean, I can imagine myself being being Szymanski, but I have a much harder time imagining myself singing like Cybronica oh, because yeah. I have no technique. Next up, we have Stacking Theory with Holding My Own. I'm standing in between the giants and I'm trying to hold on. I'm trying to hold on. Yeah, I'm trying to hold my own. I never thought that I could be here. I never thought that I'd be holding my own. Not a reference to the sober song. Very pleasant, very listenable, very enjoyable. Uh, that glockenspiel is so lightly used; it just sort of kind of pops up as a nice little surprise midway through. I thought the singing voice is really good with the variety of layered sections and the nice harmonies, and the bio is very sweet and relatable. The song bio I thought was great, uh, so I, yeah, I think this is a great, great song. I don't have a lot to say about it because I think it's just a lot of. A lot of good stuff to listen to in there. This is a pretty and dreamy. I really like the ethereal guitar trading lines back and forth in the left and right channels. I thought that sounded really good. The backing vocals, the soft backing vocals and the delicate whispery lead vocals, I think really sounded good. I appreciated the callback to the pale blue dot from their round one submission, which sort of brought full circle their whole spin tunes journey in this competition which I thought was cool. I really liked the the soft scat vocal that bookended the song. It reminded me of that Walk on the Wild Side riff they used in their round three entry. So there were some cool callbacks. Uh, this is a super enjoyable listen with lots of good dynamics and lots of little things, little subtle things I picked up on with repeat listens. So I didn't, I didn't really like it as much at first, but it really grew on me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I agree. I thought that this was a really sweet, meaningful song. I love the bio. It's always great to see the process, especially with this one in particular, starting with the guitar as a guide and then getting rid of it and later replacing it with something completely different. You know, it reminds me of that old question. If you have an axe and you replace the handle of the axe and later replace the blade of the axe, is it still the axe you started with or is it something else? And I just thought that was sort of an interesting thing with watching, well, not watching because I didn't watch him make the song, but sort of getting a look into the process of how something can start one way and then move into something completely different. I really liked those backing vocals. I thought that they were pretty. I thought that they were nice. You know, they kind of remind me of... Exquisite Dead Guy by They Might Be Giants. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, honestly, I, I love that guy hanging on a skyhook because I think it's a pretty song because I like those vocals. <laughs> and I like the vocals here. I think they're really, really nice. They When you combine them with the guitars, it creates something like a dreamy Katamari Damashi soundtrack, which, for those who don't know, is like a more than a decades old 
video game with really cute music. Highly recommend listening to the soundtrack, even if you don't play the game. Oh, and okay, so this is another one to four song. And I have a note here. I think this is like the sixth song that we've gone through that's a one four. And I'm like, this is way more popular than anticipated. But I, I guess I should have, maybe not should have known, but I could have known that 1-4 would be more popular than 1-5. It just really caught me off guard. And I like the message of the song. It's very sweet. It's a really good community coming together song. And honestly, the community, that's why I like doing spin tunes. That's why I like doing song fight. Slightly less, it's why I like doing (laughs) 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 But you know, that's generally the same community that does the other two, or at least there's some overlap there. Look, all I'm going to say is that the people in Narine are way nicer than opera singers, so (laughs) I've got a low point there. Narine seems lovely. (laughs) Narine. Moving on, what do you say we talk about Siemanski's Love Is? at the bridge Where one step backwards is always the safest Love is falling head first Into a safety Szymanski's singing voice. I think it's powerful and expressive. I'm impressed how it can stand alone with just a quietly played piano for accompaniment. I love how he goes from loud anguish to barely above a whisper on the final It's Enough. And while the song is slow and sparse, and I think I think it was created to annoy Ryan and I uh, at <laughs> 55 beats per minute, uh, I think it's super effective at getting its message across. And it conveys just a ton of emotion. And I think there's a really serious good song in here, even though the accompaniment is rather sparse and maybe a bit low effort. Yeah, I think this is a great song and I think it gets its message across well. So it's it's a win in that regard. Yeah, I thought that this was really a sweet song. And honestly, I didn't notice that it was just him and a piano. I My brain just assumed that there were guitars and drums on this because it's just the idea is so well conveyed in what he does and the way that he sings and the way that he plays it's just like yeah I can hear how this would orchestrate because you are orchestrating with the tone of your voice really great job there as far as lyrics go love is waiting at the bridge where one step backwards is always the safest I think that is a great image and I love the story he tells in his bio about where he got that image it is a beautiful 
uncliched way to talk about love. But honestly, I've never heard that particular metaphor before. And I think it is beautiful. It's just really, really evocative. Nice. Interestingly, you know, th- that was very not cliched. And then, you know, you put it up against a couple of other lines that do feel more cliched later in the song, particularly the message unsaid, unread line. And it's funny because when I went ahead and read them, they didn't feel quite as cliched, except for the message said on red line. But like the rest of them didn't feel as cliched as they did when I was listening. So I, I wonder if it's just something about how he delivered a couple of those verse lines that just made it sound a little more expected. Even though like staring you back in the face with a flower in the barrel is not something that comes up a whole lot. But it, it felt cliched when he sang it. That's like 60s imagery, right? Yeah, you know, you know what the modern version of that is? No. Handing a Pepsi to riot police. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I should have listened harder yeah. to this song. I just, I thought it's about love. Like, yeah, yeah. not interested. Well, it's interesting. It's it's a cautionary tale about love. Oh. You know, huh. where one step back is always the safest. I kind of interpreted that as like, you know, love is, it's dangerous and you have to be cautious about how you approach it. And, you know, the next line is, you know, diving head first right after you're talking about taking a step back, but diving head first and there's a safety net there. And that's sort of an interesting juxtaposition because love is both this thing that you do not want to jump into, but it's also this thing that if you do jump into it and it is genuinely love and it's genuinely there, there is that safety net and you will be okay. And as someone who has dove into a safety net and skidded like five feet across it, always better to have a safety net than just, you know, nothing. <laughs> so, so you, do you think this works as a poem? You know, let me, let me take a look at these oh, lyrics. This, I'm not, I'm not going to give you homework. I promise. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's just, Cause I was like, I was looking at it and I was thinking like, I mean, even the title love is, you know, it's yeah. kind of setting yourself up for a bad Jack Handy sort of a thing. You know, it's, it's, uh, I, I don't think that he falls into it really, but there is, it, it is sort of a keep overusing the word trope, but I think that's true. Right. For poetry in particular for bad poetry. I will say if you strip away the music, it becomes free verse poetry which is my <laughs> least favorite kind and there's no meter or rhyme and it's just i'm too much of a snob for it <laughs> call it beautiful prose i don't know uh, <laughs> but like with the music that he's done it really creates this beautiful melody and i don't mean melody just in terms of the notes he's singing but it creates a melody out of the words themselves in that poetry is where prose meets music right this song is where prose, this free verse poem, has met music, and it works really well. It turns it into poetry. This song is a personal attack against me, so I'm going to be extremely petty. I'll start off by noting that he misspelled the word there in his song bio. Uh, it's a contraction of they are, so it should be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E instead of T-H-E-R-E. So I, I promised I was going to be petty. But okay, okay, so here's the thing, though. Subansky somehow got the impression that we don't like G&P songs, and that is not accurate. Uh, I mean, we do mention it whenever we notice a song is just G&G or G&P or G&U for the G, uh, gallon u- ukulele or whatever. But if it sounds like we're being critical of stripped-down productions, it might just be that we have 
resting jerk voice or something, <laughs> you know. I know I suggested that it's difficult for a G&G song to rank high among, you know, songs that are similarly good and charming, but have more elaborate production. And I don't think I was wrong. The jerks are judges who are big fans of Daniel Johnston, but you would have to be a weird fanatic to rank Living Life over Bohemian Rhapsody. And I love Living Life. I love Living Life by Daniel Johnston, but you just can't say that that's a better song than Bohemian Rhapsody or any of a number of other things with, with bigger productions. Uh, but about this song, it's a, it's a slow, sad piano song, except the thing is, it's not a sad song. You know, it has his trademark melodramatic delivery that makes what he's saying sound tragic, but then you read the lyrics and it's a nice love song. You know, it's a nice little poem with some nice imagery. Yeah, other than that, I think he forgot the bit about the ice weasels, though. But that's a bit of a deep cut for for some people. Yeah, I did not get that. Can you can you explain the joke to me? <laughs> yes, there's a there's this Nietzsche quote: "Love mm. is a snowmobile racing across the tundra, and then suddenly it flips over, pinning you underneath. At night, the ice weasels come." So, oh dang! But yeah, so it's and that's that whole love is kind of a thing. It's the it's and and that's fine. Again, I thought I thought it worked well. I thought it's a lot of really neat imagery and a lot of neat kind of a feeling about love is. But there was no way that this was going to win. Spin tunes eighteen because it's a shadow. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I mean, more like even if it was reinstated, even if by some mm. miracle, you know, something happened. Gotcha. It's, it's it's a fine song. I'm glad that that we have this as a tool, you know, for people to have deadlines and prompts and challenges and also that they have this structure for them to submit things and get an immediate audience and get feedback and things like that. That's all valuable. Having said that, uh this is not a contender. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so are you saying you wish that it was a little bit punchier? <laughs> I wish that it had an arpeggiator, a clav. It's got to be at least 140 beats per minute. And then we could start talking about lyrics. Well, if you're looking for something a little bit punchier, can I recommend to you Hot Pink Halo's One Two Punch? What? what, what? Excellent segue. <laughs> My cats are like, who the hell is Sukar or Sukar or whatever his name is? For a long time, I was just singing Suki because I hadn't read the lyrics yet. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really love this song. I know it. 
between this and Daniel Sittler, this is what I've been singing all week. And this one I've been singing slightly more than What If. Just, you know, Suki, you're a sucker, you're a real, real fucking, fucking fucker, fucker, and you're rooting for the word too much. It's just, it's so... It's, I it's love, catchy as hell. Yes. I love also just the progression of phonemes in that sentence. Suki, you're a sucker, you're a real fucking fucker. It's just so, like, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. It's beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful writing. Um, I really, really love the lyrics. Honestly, for for like my first two listens, I was like, huh, Suki must be a real bitch. And then I was like, wait, this is a hot pink halo song. This is some idiot politician. Yep. <laughs> and then I eventually read the bio and finally get to learn that Suker is an idiot politician. <laughs> and you know that just makes it all the more fun and anytime i hate someone i'm just gonna sing this to myself and feel a little bit better <laughs> um, but yeah i love how she delivers punch 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 oh yes. punch, punch 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 i just i love it's just like you know say punch 12 times in a row like maybe <laughs> maybe if i had seen this and i was like all right maybe we didn't need that but just like listening to it, it was like yes punch I love it. <laughs> I, I love the I love the ad libs that she puts in. Yeah. Like there's a bam bam like after one, the one two punch she does, and there's just a oh, bunch of really cute ad libs all over it. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna have to listen again for those. I completely missed them. I was I was too busy singing along. <laughs> Chords, another one four G to C, really well done here. Has a nice pep and a nice bounce to it. I will say a little bit of a nitpick here. The synths are very happy and positive. They're very like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to go sing a fun song with our kids now. Um, and <laughs> I Wait, liked... did you just do her accent? <laughs> if I did, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm sorry for any cultural appropriation that might have happened there. <laughs> I would have liked to hear a harder or gnarlier orchestration, maybe like a grungier guitar or just like a more bass heavy uh, synth patch, something like that to mirror the anger she feels towards the sky. Cause he's a real fucking fucker. Yeah. You know, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got that impression somehow. I think I got that impression from the song bio, which is long, uh, mm. but it is a quick engrossing read and, you know, I'm, I'm torn on whether or not to recommend that everybody check it out. The song is an angry screed against a specific sleazy, corrupt politician. And the song is more enjoyable when you don't have to think about it and instead can just enjoy, you know, singing along with the punch, 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 um, which are extremely, extremely contagious. The song has a great melody throughout and it's a ton of fun if you don't dwell on, you know, this awful person that the song is about. Production-wise, there are some low pong notes that uh, are too loud and seem to ring on a harmonic instead of the note that I imagine was intended. I could be wrong about that. I suspect it's a problem with an arpeggiator, but again, I could be wrong about that too. Uh, also, in just a couple of places throughout the song, there's like a marimba or something that occasionally hits that exact combination of notes that indicates an error or a warning on a PC, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Did, did, was I the only person who caught that? No, I you know I what I'm talking that. about? Like, like chunk, you know, and, uh, and it just, it just like, it pulled me out of the song just momentarily a couple of times. But again, it, it, it doesn't matter because the punch, punch, punch brings me back all the time. 
tiny, tiny little issues, tiny complaints. The overall charm and fun and appeal of the song completely overwhelms those petty little nitpicks of mine. I'm just very, very happy with this. Wow, Cybronica had a lot of my notes. I just thought that the the chorus is so amazingly catchy. That sucker, you're a sucker, you're a real fucking fucker. I just, I love that. And I, I sang along too. I, I, I thought it was like, the song is super cute and fun. And like I did notice the, the contrast between just how terrible and awful the person was. I read a little bit of the bio and I was like, I'm just not going to finish this. Good like way. this is TLDR and I think I like the song better without truly knowing. Um, yeah, I, I, so I didn't get into the politics of the song that much, but I, I, I love the chorus. I thought it was incredibly hooky and fun. And I thought Leone had maybe experimented with some vocal multi-tracking that I think she did throughout the entire song, which made her vocals sound like full and sweet to my ears. And I think this is one of her best vocal recorded vocal performances that I've heard. I was impressed by it technically as well. All right, let's move on to Jocko Homomorphism and his song, Tuck and Roll. Palm tree panic metal, organic geometric green. Captured ferrets, foxes, and parrots power the machine. Acquisition is the ambition, racing for the jewel. Doctor, bid a spiny echidna, show him who's the fool. Tuck and roll, power slide, loop-de-loop, paraglide. Spinning round all the bands, with the help of your friends. Tuck and roll, power slide, loop-de-loop, paraglide. Spinning round all the bands, with the Uh, I think this is a fun electro pop song. Uh, the song is also really good at disguising the fact that it's only two chords. I mean, you really feel like you've moved into new territory in the chorus. And I think that is thanks to the melody and the cool vocal delivery. There's also a lot of neat little touches and sounds popping up throughout the song that keep it interesting and engaging. And I always enjoyed it when it came up on the playlist. There's something about that chorus uh, that appeals to me enough to overcome my dislike of video games, too. I, uh, again, this is another one of those songs that if I just... That hurt me personally. What? <laughs> Ryan and I are both grumpy in the same way. If I hear a movie or song is based on a video game, I'm just like, mm-mm. Yeah, it should be based on D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm very in favor of movies being based on D&D, but I will agree that video games are very hard to translate into the movie medium because of how specific and particular they are with how they tell stories. I actually watched a great YouTube video about Bioshock that talked about this and point of view like three hours ago, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just finished playing Bioshock. That's why I've mentioned it like three times on the podcast. <laughs> I love Jocko's use of synths. I think his synth riffs are some of the some of the best I've heard in this competition. Like some of those sounds remind me of some of the cool bleeps and bloops that he used in his round one song Eigengrau, which I think was one of my favorites of that round. Uh, this one has some of the same bleepy synth horns, which uh, he uses to carry the vocal melody line at the end of the tune. 
And I think the, the music for this would go really great for a challenge about, you know, making music for a video game. I think it would be, you know, great to play this music while playing a challenge round of Sonic the Hedgehog. I think it's got that sort of manic energy that you really want while playing a sort of a speedy, twitchy video game. So I thought it worked really well in that context. Um, yeah, and I like this song every time it came on as well. And I, I think I might not have if it went on much longer. I think at like, you know, just a little bit over three minutes, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed this song. At first, I wasn't sure what it was about. I was like, is this about skiing? They said slalom, um, yeah. <laughs> which, by the way, great use of slalom in a lyric. Very, very <laughs> nice. But it's about Sonic, which I found out when I read the song bio. And that's great. You know, normally I would say I love the use of MIDI and chip two sounds to evoke the old timey video game sound, but also that's kind of Jocko's thing, which is why I think I didn't make the video game connection right away because it's just such a true part of his music making. I also really loved uh, rhyming limbo with a Kimbo. He did a good job of like mixing in words that I'm not used to hearing in lyrics, Akimbo, slalom, echidna great i loved it something that really really bothered me with the lyrics though he did not pronounce amateur to rhyme with blur he said <laughs> amateur or amateur which is a totally valid way to say amateur 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 but you're rhyming with blur say it to rhyme with blur please <laughs> it's very Make annoying it to my ear please make it work yeah i like how the song was done i like jocko's singing voice i just wish that the way that he sang it was sometimes a little less punctuated in his delivery style if it was just a little bit more you know connected fluid legato if you will um i think that would have been a really nice contrast to the pointillistic orchestration oh and his chords you know, it's not just a 1-4 chord, it's a minor 1-4 to four chord. So it just changes up everything that we've been hearing so far. I really dug that. I thought it was a really nice breath of fresh air. Really, really well done. Next up, we have Cybronica with Yesterday's Mascara. And that line, yesterday's mascara, I thought a really cool way of implying that you've been up all night or it's, you know, early the next morning sort of paints an interesting picture of, you know, a moment of self-reflection. And I think that moment of self-reflection is actually kind of coolly literal because you're actually staring at yourself in a mirror. 
So you're literally washing away makeup. You know, it's both literal and metaphorical self-reflection, which I thought was very cool. I like that, also like that line, pigments devoid of tears, which I thought was intriguing. So I think that what you're trying to say is that it's a sober moment of sort of self-reflection where you're not actually uh, charged with emotion, um, which, I th which I thought was interesting. Your two chord choices were E minor 6 and G add 9. I wanted to ask you what your, like, why did you settle on those chords? What was the, what was the thinking there? I talked a little bit at the beginning, my thoughts on different ways that I could execute this challenge. And I decided that the easiest way was the cheatery way of putting in so many notes in a chord that it could be other chords. The E minor six chord. Also, I mean, what I do is I go back and forth between E in the bass and C in the bass. And the thing is, when you put C in the bass of that, it actually kind of becomes a C major seven chord. Unless you call it an E minor six chord in fourth inversion, <laughs> like I did. <laughs> but I found these two chords. So that was my reasoning for using those kinds of chords. Okay. But I found these two chords. This song is about me leaving my old job and going on to a new job that I recently got. The day that I gave notice at my old job, I came home and was like super emotionally exhausted and just like sat down at the piano and was just noodling around. And I really liked this E minor six chord playing around with that. And then I was thinking, all right, what could be a nice contrast to this? And I found the G add nine chord, which I thought the E minor six was dark and moody. And even when you put it down to the C major seven, it was still had a moody quality to it but moving on to the g add nine really created like a lifting feeling a nice hopeful feeling when i think of this song in my synesthetic brain like the first half is sort of dark and green and the second half is bright and yellow and that kind of has this sort of lifting feeling so i found the chords by noodling and purposefully trying to put in extra notes. And it's a G add nine because it doesn't have a seven? Correct. If there was a seventh in there, it would be a G nine chord. Okay. I believe. Okay, cool. I also thought like your backing vocals, a lot of them have an ethereal quality to them. And I wanted to ask you how you sort of think about creating them and placing them sort of strategically. And how do you sort of get that sound? When I do backing vocals... I usually do oohs or sometimes e's, but no, well, e's are very rare just because that's that's a very pinpointed vowel. I usually do oohs because I find ah to be a very difficult vowel to sing and sound nice. Um, and that's like years of opera singing, like getting in my head and making me self-conscious about my vowel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, people standing up in a crowd of in a large room full of people and being like, your all vowel is wrong. <laughs> and, you know, how could you sing like that? You sing, oh, and it should be odd. Oh, you know, it's... <laughs> so I usually avoid ahs. But in this case, I went with the ah. Uh, I'm not sure specifically why I went with this vowel. I think I wanted to have that warmer, closer feeling. Because, like, when you sing ooze, it's very pinpointed. It's closer to a sine wave. It has a nice 
direct feeling but when you do ah it it sort of blends a little better and it has a more spread and warm quality ah it's also a little bit louder and when i did these backing vocals you know i knew i wanted them to be close parallel thirds because i love them but also because close parallel thirds are easy to keep in the chord so you know if you start on the five and third and then you go to the third and the first or the tonic you know the one of the chord yeah they can have some movement while still staying in the chord that you are trying to outline and also for as to why i put them in at all i consider these backing vocals to be kind of my auditory calling card if you will i really like the sound of them it's a big part of like the music i grew up with was like my mother and her sisters singing british folk songs together in close vocal harmonies um so it's like a big part of like the background data of what my brain is doing at any given point (laughs) or the background activity i should say but yeah so i knew that also it's just so much easier than playing something on a midi keyboard and then choosing a scent that's just like oh okay i'm just gonna sing these notes okay we're good and part of that is just like my ear knows where it needs to go so this song had a piano and i think a bass and just your vocals is there any instruments i missed I recorded me and the main piano together without a click. It's just sort of a live take. And then I took that, because it was played on a MIDI keyboard, I took that original piano take and I panned it so that I had two different piano MIDIs. And it creates sort of an interesting effect between the two ears because even though the delivery is the same, the timbres are slightly different. On top of that, I found a couple of other keyboard synths that I liked. And I have higher up uh, uh, sort of something playing in a high piano-like sound, as well as in the other synth, um, just playing the chord tones and going back back and forth between half of the chord tones and the other half of the chord tones, so that it is really just those two chords. You also mentioned strategic dissonance in your in mm. your bio, which I think is an interesting concept, but I'm not sure I quite get it. Can you Can you elaborate? Yes, so strategic dissonance is the word that I use to cover up the fact that I was implying heavily other chords. <laughs> okay, I get it now. Yeah. And so the reason why I say strategic dissonance is because when I do these backing vocals, I just kind of sing what my ear expects to hear there. You know, if you've got neighbor notes or passing tones, that's when you go in your melody or your harmony line you go in between the chord tones so that it does create a little bit of dissonance you're playing the four against you know and it's between the third and the fifth of the chord but because it's moving it feels like you know okay we're not creating a new chord we are sort of moving back and forth and it creates this nice dissonance at other times we also have seconds or i think i don't think i went as far as a seventh but like seconds minor thirds major seconds minor seconds in those backing vocals either against each other or against the melody and that's to create sort of a feeling of tension so that when they release it feels that much sweeter throwback to sometimes when you don't get the climax right away it feels better in the end (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's about it for my notes ryan What, what do you have well, a, a lot of this discussion is reminding me of the, the our Spin Tunes winning song, which was, uh, what was it? Oh No, Sunblock. Oh No, Sunblock, yeah. The competition was to write uh, two songs um, that would then be able to be played on top of each other as sort of the third 
instance of it. So you're going to have a song split into three sections of exactly the same length. And the first is going to be one song. The second is going to be a different song. And then the third is going to be them overlapped on each other. And what I wanted to do, uh, th- there's a whole bunch of stuff that I needed to do in, in terms of like making sure that we weren't talking over each other too much and things like that in terms of the lyrics. But I also wanted to do the first part in a way that the the differing chords would sound okay when overlapped in the second part. Anyhow, this this is absolutely possible. It worked. I think some of the people did it in this uh, sort of competition too. And, you know, some of the stuff that we've been talking about very recently is, is definitely kind of the stuff that I did. I would, I did not have this two chord, you know, limitation though. So I, I had it easy in comparison, but it was more about uh, having things work when overlapped and, and making one chord sound like a different chord when you're stressing a different bass or a different note, which is something that happened in this song. Um, now, Good stuff first. Uh, This is a haunting and affecting song. Um, I think it takes a noticeable turn midway through from a rock blues feeling to a lighter, more open second half. And that goes a long, long way towards adding variety to this song in a challenge that naturally hobbles variety. Despite doing more or less the same sort of thing throughout the song, too, the piano sounds very expressive. I mean, it's more or less just sort of arpeggiating up and down, but it's it's not just that. There are variations and, again, very expressive. And also the bass is strong. And, of course, the vocals are, are amazing, just way too good. It's it's really not fair. Uh, not, not, it's not fair. It's, che- <laughs> it's, uh, that's, it's not cheating. Cheat but it's, not, it's not fair. It um, makes you feel better. I paid way too much for that style <laughs> or technique. <laughs> I, I think it was worth it. I think it was worth it. Uh, the backing vocals are beautiful, and I think uh, I would have liked to have had them slightly louder just because I like mm. them. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds fine at the current volume, uh, but I'm the type that prefers uh, too much of a good thing. Um, mm. if, th- if this song were competing... I think the judges would have to talk about the song, though, in some of the stuff that we've been talking about. I mean, I know that in the song bio, you'd noted that other chords are, quote, implied, unquote, despite the actual chords being just the two. But some of the second half, when the bass is really emphasizing sections to heavily imply extra chord changes, (laughs) changes that are also implied by the vocals and backing vocals and which are only mitigated by the, you know, manually arpeggiated piano notes. Uh, You know, I, I guess what I'm saying is I love this song. I love this song. But if there were a debate among the judges about potentially disqualifying it, I don't know what side I'd be on. Is um, your blizzard DQ'd. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, so I really, really agree with you that this is not something that would pass muster if it wasn't a shadow. And honestly, the song could only be made the way that it is because it is a shadow and I did have the freedom to mess around with it. So you'd disqualify it. Oh yeah. Well okay. and there is a very specific note as to why I would disqualify it. So in the first half I mentioned it's an E minor six. I'm going back and forth between E and C in the bass. And even though it implies C, ma- <laughs> C minor seven or C major seven, I still think I could get away with that being an E minor six. However, in the second half, I've got a G add nine. So it's the chord tones are G, A, B, D. And that's what's playing in the arpeggiation. In the bass, the notes are 
D, B, C, G for the most part. And if it weren't for the C in the base, I would consider this to have counted. But when the C comes in, it's not part of the chord. I couldn't really justify calling it a G add 9 add 11 because there's the 11 only happens when I put it in the base in that one spot. That's the only time that it happens. And I haven't gone through and figured out exactly what chord it creates because, <laughs> like, look, G, A, B, C, is, is a, it's a cluster chord. Yeah. But, you is know, that a technical term? Actually, yeah, cluster chord is a technical <laughs> oh, okay, term. Okay. okay. Um, and it's what it's referred to when you just got a whole bunch of seconds stacked on each other. <laughs> crunchy um, yeah well exactly it's those crunchy chords from the mid to late 20th century that you know john cage and his friends were all about it's a, the pianist collapsed on the keyboard that's what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly right um but yeah it's g a b c d is not really a chord but also it's not what's playing at that moment when i have c in the bass and i have to figure out what i'm doing there i have not sat down and done an analysis of it because i always preferred writing over analyzing in school that makes sense so i haven't quite figured out what exactly that chord is but if i sat down i could probably figure it out it just it creates such a beautiful moment and i think it is you know c maybe i'm maybe i'm you know, implying a C chord and having that in opposition to the G chord, having a nice four in there. Ah, a nice subdominant. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was interesting was Jim of Seattle mentioned on the boards that he considers my song to be a one chord song. And I strongly disagree with this. The reason why he said that is because if you take a E minor and stick a D onto it, you know, you get E minor seven that shares a lot of chord tones with the G major, right? It's the same thing with D minor to F major, which I mentioned on a previous song. But in this case, I would argue they're actually very separate chords. And part of that is the C because the C works very well in the first half. It's part of that E minor six, but it is not part of that G major add nine and that's why it makes it into a different chord i just especially like the feeling that the two chords evoke they're completely different colors in my mind they're completely different um emotions in my mind i i don't consider them to be the same chord and i find it ironic you know that that was his thoughts about me because we we both took the same route of using non-chord tones <laughs> to extend the number of chords that we use. Well, I've finished with my notes. Do you have any comments about the song? She's like, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, but I'm well, sort of not. So I'm sort of not have. kidding. Yeah. I was really happy with how the song turned out. It kind of felt like I was throwing spaghetti at a wall. But what stuck ended up being a really lovely pattern of spaghetti on my wall. <laughs> yes. To overuse that metaphor. Um, and it's interesting what you were saying, you know, chumpy about the image of yesterday's mascara i literally got that image because i was washing my face i literally like got out of the shower to pick up my phone and like i gotta write this down as i washed away yesterday's mascara <laughs> to write down these lyrics it was like this works oh so you slept with that mascara on oh yeah <laughs> okay it was a day <laughs> wow i was stressed out a lot of this came very strongly especially like i i don't know if you guys 
heard it on your listens, but there's a moment in the second half where underneath the singing, I have a little spoken word moment that is not in my lyrics, where when I say the say now your fond farewells, not so fond and not so fair. Not so fair, yeah. Underneath that, I say, fuck you, bitch, because <laughs> I received an email from a coworker who is who did not say fuck you, bitch, but heavily implied, much like my A and my C in the face. <laughs> it was heavily implied. And I like that was a big part of what drove me to the song was just like my feeling of don't get mad at me. I got a new job and I'm happy about it. I'm sorry you're gonna have more work, but maybe they shouldn't have conditions that make people want to quit. Yeah. <sighs> And those conditions are we're in the office and I'd rather work from home. So. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. And that brings us to Two Chords by Bucket Hat Bobby Matheson. When our paths crossed, fate was lacing its shoe. My face in the dirt, staring straight up at you. You offered me aid to get back on my feet But my tongue was still tied as I lay in the street You reached out a hand, couldn't swallow my pride You shrugged, fair enough That's when I changed my mind Give one inch of rope and I'll take four miles To lasso the moon in exchange for a smile Pull on my heartstrings until they are taut We're forever two chords Entwined in a knot Bound, bound as you are to me I am unto you all right, so chords, G to D, one five. This is the other one five song. Yeah. I really, really thought one five songs are going to be more popular. I am so surprised that they're not. So I really like the imagery of rope getting shorter and shorter in the lyrics from the four miles to the three miles to the two miles to the just a mile. It really drives home the inevitable end to every relationship. The Bound Bound section is a really lovely moment. I love how the lyrics flow there. I love the music there. I think it's interesting how, you know, when I was listening to it at first, I was like, what is the syntax of this? And it really made me want to key in and listen to the lyrics more to really understand what it was saying there. And it ended up being a really beautiful moment. Uh, and just in general, the imagery in the song is really beautiful. I love the recurring chord imagery with the shoelace in the first verse, the sweater threads in the second verse, the candlewick in the third, and then the chain from the ball and chain in the fourth. It does a really good job of keeping in that two chord, they're the two chords, the two shoelaces, the sweater threads, etc., etc. It's really well done. And I, I love, I love the imagery of a happy ball to your chain. I think that's a really beautiful moment. You know, this is similar to Sober's song where it's like, to me, it's a song about later in a relationship when, you know, things have become routine and things have become repetitive, but in a comfortable way, in a loving way, in a this-is-the-life-we've-built-together way. I will say, my main issue with this song is you do not pronounce hours to rhyme with stars. You say hours and stars when you could have very easily said ours. 
with stars. It's a totally acceptable pronunciation, and I think that's how it was intended to be done. It just, that, like the one in Jocko's song, it really stood out to me every single time. So I would like to hear a version of this with a new non-scratch vocal take. He mentioned in the bio that it was a scratch. I would love to hear a fleshed out version of the song. I would bet you anything that Cynical Monkey 99 is also pissed off about R's and stars. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, for a song written by committee, uh, it's a really good piece with a lot of charm and some great lyrics. But, you know, at almost six minutes, it's a little long for a two-chord song, uh, especially with this you know, relative lack of variation throughout. I mean, I know the piano changes over the course of the song, and there's apparently an otherworldly guitar sound somewhere in the background, which I, I, uh, I, I guess I didn't um, listen to carefully enough to, to clock. Uh, but mostly it hits a note and stays there for almost six minutes. So, you know, thank goodness the lyrics are so good. Otherwise, it might be hard to make it all the way through this for me. I also looked for that otherworldly guitar sound and I couldn't hear it. I think that he might have meant otherworldly piano sound. There was certainly a piano with a super long reverb tail on it. And you can hear it peeking out from beneath the guitar. Which I think is what he was referring to. I'm not. I'm not sure if I liked it or not, but it's it's certainly interesting. It's kind of cool that Bucket Hat Bobby has a Discord with a bunch of people who he hangs out with and he like composes songs together with. I think that's that's super cool. I also like the lyrics. I, I like the notion of at the very end when you get to the um, you know that sort of happy ball and chain and about how. It's a fair deal getting a lifetime of memories just for a little bit of pain here and there, which I, I thought was a very cool sentiment. And I think it's a sweet romantic song about commitment that I would like to hear a full treatment of. I can hear the mountain goat influence, the mountain goats influence in uh, that Bobby mentioned in the song bio. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I think it's in the vocals, in the chorus, and the G&G &G delivery that give it that sort of mountain goaty vibe. It's interesting how Bobby can channel a particular singer and really nail it. It's funny, we were both thinking of Tom Waits' Rain Dogs on, uh, I believe, his round two entry, which is kind of interesting. You know, I, I thought it was really evocative of Tom Waits, and that's what he was going for, which I think is really cool. And, you know, I can definitely hear him going for the mountain goats in this in this song, which I think is really great too. Uh, I, I like this song. I also thought, you know, at five minutes, 49 seconds, that it was a bit long and could have used um, some editing. And maybe that'll happen when Bobby gives it a full treatment later on. I was going to say, as far as like editing goes, I feel like the bound bound section could have made a really good bridge as opposed to being the tag on every single chorus. I think that would have been, especially if you had it repeat a couple of times, that could have made a really nice sort of break up yeah. in between the sections. So add a bridge. Yeah. So to we, make it we, smaller. We want to remove a, we, the post chorus. <laughs> we want a nine minute long switch song. Switch them together. Put the <laughs> three quarters of the way through the song. It'd be a net reduction. In... <laughs> okay. All right. It pays Smart for itself. Ass. Yeah. That... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder how this Discord works. I mean, I imagine that he's doing all the heavy lifting on these songs, right? I think so. Yeah. I think it's his D&D &D buddies. Yeah. Or he's a Twitch streamer as well, which 
you know, because I'm old, I don't know anything about, but still, but I mean, it's kind of like if we were on a discord, if we had a jerkatorium discord and we had a bunch of assholes saying, Hey, why don't you do this? We'd be like, fuck you. Right. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't be like, <laughs> yeah, we'd have, yeah, our, that's we'd have our two fans and our you know, army of <laughs> Russian bots on it. Those Russian bots are loyal. They have some good lyrical ideas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're all about politics though. It's they very <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, folks, we have made it through all of the songs and all of the Ooh. shadows, so congratulations to us. Another podcast in the can. All right. Yeah. Cybronica, you were great. Thank you so much Aww, for injecting uh, a lot of you know wonderful music theory and know-how into our otherwise ignorant babbling. So thank <laughs> you. You've really elevated this podcast significantly. I appreciate it a lot. You know, I had a lot of fun and just wanted to say thank you for recording Wednesday instead of Thursday so that I can make it to D&D tomorrow. Uh, you know, it's actually a really fun campaign. I'd love to tell you all about it. You know, we've got all these great... <laughs> Why don't you tell us uh, tell, tell us, us about it in song? Got it. <laughs> My character is Kes, he is! Anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's just a shout out to last week. He <laughs> said, described exactly that scenario as his own personal <laughs> Oh, okay. So, so I, I, I imagine we don't want to keep this dragging too long, but, but so are we going to hear more from the pleasantry? Do you think? I would like to, we got cursed by really bad timing. The first weekend I was out of town for a wedding. So grumpy Mike ended up having to do most of the putting of it together. The second week he was out of town for work. I think a lot of it. So, you know, there wasn't quite as much of a back and forth as we would have liked. And by the third week, I think it was just sort of, we felt a little bit overwhelmed just by missing each other like ships in the night. I would like there to be more in the future because I really like Grumpy Mike and I really like his music. And we did really well when we collaborated on Pleasant Row last Narine. Uh, I think we just really had bad timing. Yeah. Would have I mean, loved to have heard a duet. Yeah. And mm. you know what we mean by when by a duet, right? We're like, we're thinking. Two people singing at the same time, either in unison or in harmony. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> what we mean. Yeah. Right yes. That's, I, I just assumed that you didn't no know. No rapping, please. Because it's like Latin or something, right? <laughs> so, English, actually. <laughs> well, so, what do you mean, Ryan? No, what, what I mean is is something like, uh, something like uh, oh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Something like Love Lift Us Up. Something like Robert Ellis Oral Couldn't Say No. You know, something where you're both you know, going back and forth on it, you both have your own sort of different voices and characters and styles instead of you just doing a vocal hook or, you know, something like that. So, you Equal know Equal time. Mean. Equal time, maybe conversational even. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would love to do more with Grumpy Mike because I think he's a great artist. For sure. And I'd love to sing with him because he's got a great voice and I think we would blend well. Yeah, that, that's what that's what we were waiting for. We were waiting for that duet with both of you singing and both of you, you know, carrying half of the song. So, and we didn't get it. We'll get it eventually. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a request. On <laughs> on the Pleasantry Discord, we're going to be there saying, <laughs> "I got an idea. What if you do a song about a paladin?" And he has so <laughs> much mana. <laughs> but he's been poisoned by a terrible vaccine. 
Oh man. <laughs> Those are the rush bots. Yeah. yeah. Rush bot <laughs> 996420. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before we end this? Um, well, we've already talked about, you know, where we think the actual competitors would rank. Mm-hmm. So I think we were just on to shout outs and thank yous. Why doesn't Cybronica go first? Okay. Sure, sure. Uh, I would like to shout out Grumpy Mike, Starcrust songwriters. We were, but perhaps in the future we can make this work again. Also, shout out to my cats, Coriander, Clove, and Figaro, keeping me sane uh, throughout the pandemic. And uh, shout out to you guys for having me on here. I had a great time. Right back at you. Uh, shout out to Cybronica, abigailkempson.com. Check it out. It's a fabulous, fabulous website. And click on everything. The YouTube videos <laughs> are amazing. So oh, yeah. The engraving. <laughs> Very uh, cool. The business. I didn't oh, know yeah, that I, was called engravings. I I, well, it's, it's, I don't really do that anymore because it turns out it takes really long time. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it is not cost effective. Yeah. It's, okay. It's been a while since I updated my website. But uh, yeah. Click on check everything. It out. Yeah. Click on everything except engravings. Uh, <laughs> there's a bunch of neat uh, uh, SoundCloud links there. There's YouTube links. Check them all out. And, you know, check her out on uh, the Songfight Archive, uh, both under Cybronica and Mandibles. The Narine Archive uh, under Mandibles only, I think. And then the Spin Tunes and Bandcamp albums. All right. Well, here's a secret. There is. Cybronica stuff on Narine, but it's really bad. It's real bad. It's it's okay. So it's back <laughs> when I did not know that you had like b- before I even knew that the forums were a thing. <laughs> I didn't know that you had to name the songs the the name of the challenge. Oh. So I have like two songs on there that are not the right name, <laughs> and also are not very well recorded and also were recorded at the end of my grad school career so like very opera trying to fit itself into the sleeping bag of not opera vocals and not working oh my goodness (laughs) it's it's good for a laugh bad for my self-esteem so definitely check that out at the neurine archive (laughs) the one i remember has a definite sword sound like being removed from a sheath or something and you hear yeah. it a lot yeah it's it's cool but overwhelming at the same time fun fact that song was based on a D character <laughs> why oh does that God. not surprise me <laughs> <laughs> okay but oh yeah and then also the th- one of the things i missed was your cybronica under soundcloud so uh check out cybronica slash cybronica I would like to shout out to Wizards of the Coast. Thank you for <laughs> making Dungeons and Dragons. Shout out to Gary Gygax. Ah, that's old, man. Did it's Wizards of the Coast you? now. And let's see. I'd like to shout out to my dog, Brody, who's this sweet and wonderful black lab who's been very well behaved during this entire podcast, even though he's locked out of our recording room and I'm sure he'd like in. And my lovely cat, Prudence who is also very sweet and wants nothing more than Brody's attention. And uh, that's about it for me. I think I can hear the theme music playing. And folks, we are out. 